Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra $0.25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a $0.25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, three people, who's an alien, who's not, you'll never know unless you listen to Sift Pop. Welcome to Sift Pop with Aaron and Danae streaming live on Mixler every Friday at noon central or available to download later in your podcast feed. Unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get perks. Patrons get those perks. Every week we'll be joined by a pop culture guru to chat about movies, television, and whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. And today's guru joining us now, it's the Curious Low. Round of applause. Hello. Thank you for having me. No, it's it's my pleasure. Hold the phone. I'm not on the phone, but go ahead. Is this the first time that it has been two females? Yes, it is. Oh, I know. Who's the girl? I don't know. Wait, are you the... I don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. This is exciting. Yeah, I'm outnumbered Woo-hoo. this time for the first time ever. <laughs> yeah. Um, lots of uh, lots of X chromosomes. I listened to a podcast once, and both of the girl voices sound so familiar. Uh-huh. I oftentimes can't tell which one. Like when they start oh, sound talking back and similar forth. Similar to each other? They sound almost identical. Yeah. Are so, you fearing that with Lo? That you'll you guys sound too much alike no okay no, no I, don't I don't think so Mm-mm. i don't think so either i don't think so either i think we're gonna be good good otherwise we're gonna think, fight you think people will be able to tell which one i am <laughs> no okay all that's, right that's, that's the real struggle that's unfortunate <laughs> that's really unfortunate no it's exciting though i'm glad to have our first lady guest so uh Lo is somebody i came in contact with just through my interaction with different youtube channels uh i was in a contest a while back for YouTube reviewers, uh, Lo, I believe, was also in that contest one season. So there's some connections, yeah. you know, there, different things like that. But really the main connection, and can we just talk about further this for a little bit before we get into anything else? Right off the bat, we're Newsies fans. Oh, I mean, yes. <laughs> you know, 
if there's some place that people can come together, if there's some hope for the future of this world, <laughs> it's that we would all see Newsies and enjoy it together. Oh, yes. It's brilliant. Right? Have you seen the Broadway show or just the movie? Just the movie. I have not been <sighs> able to check out the Broadway show. I listened to the soundtrack on, of the Broadway show and was struck by some of the differences. Yeah. Uh, and I think if I had seen it live there, I would have a better opinion of it because the soundtrack, I was just like, nope, I want my movie soundtrack. Like, I, I like, know. I like For the me, originals. it was the same way. For so. me, it was the same way. When I saw it, it was on tour. It was here about two months ago in California. And, uh, and I got to see it and I liked it a lot better being able to see it because I could see why they made the changes that they made and right. how the new music fit into the story. Yeah. But, that's what I, I was just wondering. love me some baby little Christian Bale singing on I know. horse. Can we call <laughs> him? You don't get that. Baby Bale? Baby Bale? <laughs> baby Bale? Baby Batman? I want my baby Bill, baby Bill. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me of those little cheeses, the baby bells. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah that's what that reminds me of. Uh, there's some sort of weird Photoshop mashup just waiting to happen in all that conversation. <laughs> my mom uh, actually had a brief conversation with Christian Bale because she was my date to the awards last weekend. Uh, and maybe we can talk about that a little bit too, since we're on Sif Pop. But she asked, she told him, she said, "Oh, I loved you in Newsies, and I loved you in Swing Kids." Which, by the way, Swing Kids another <laughs> one of my favorite old school Christian Bale movies. And nice. he and he looked at her and he said, "Well, you picked two of my worst movies, but to each their own." <laughs> Did he say that? Yeah. yeah. He hates Newsies. Yeah, he really he hates does. It. Why? Uh, he really does. Did he have a bad just time? Embarrassed that he was in a musical. I think that's it. And I don't think he likes his singing in it, but I thought he did fine. I thought he... Oh, he's awesome. I thought he... he Santa Fe is like the best song in the whole movie. Oh, I know. Does it make you feel like you should reach out to him and like reassure him? <laughs> no, I think he's okay. <laughs> I think Christian Bale is doing just fine. I don't know that he needs affirmations on that but, stuff. But is he embarrassed by his role in Disney's Pocahontas? Because young Christian Bale was in that as well. <gasps> I did not realize that. What part is that? Yes. Is he John He's Smith? Uh, Thomas, the red-haired guy that's always hanging out with John Smith. Wow. Hmm. How did yeah. I not know that? I don't know. I mean, you? I am the one that works for Disney, so I think I'll well, give you a pass. <laughs> yeah. No, I appreciate that. I, for one, am going to love the Disney influence on the podcast, the injection Last of week, Disney. when you guys were talking about Moana, I was like, yes. I love it so much. I'm so excited for that movie. <laughs> <laughs> before before we kind of get into reviewing the movie today, uh, we're going to be reviewing... The Fifth Wave. And we're also going to be reviewing a, uh, an app, a gaming app called... Mm -hmm. Prune. I want to ask you, Aaron, how your time was in California because you went to the Critics' Choice Award. You're one of the critics that mm -hmm. reports to them. How was your experience? How was your time there? Because you, of course, you got to meet like some sweet celebs. Oh, my goodness. Well, it, for me, okay, so this year I made a conscious decision. This is my third one, okay? So this is my third year going and being in the same room with all of these very famous people. You know, these are the the celebrities, like my first year, Tom Hanks, Sandra Bullock, you know, just the A-listers. And I've never been in a room with that kind of celebrity before where there's almost a like a magnetism yeah. and a power to it. Yeah. It's you can almost feel it. It's really strange. And I don't know how much of that is like my projection and how much of that is just when you're that famous or collective projection. Yeah, yeah there's like there's some sort of collective thing that goes on. Uh, and so I was not ready my first year for that experience and, and that's when you had your accident. Right. <laughs> yes. Well, no. I was kidding. No. Uh, that's when I did. And so the first year I started the awkward selfies. And uh, and so I would go take awkward selfies with all the celebs. And it was fun. Tom Hanks was the best. Like he got it right away. 
And then last year, I kind of carried that on, but did more of just a genuine picture kind of thing with him. This year, I was dedicated to actually having conversations with these people. I did not want to miss the moments in search of a picture. Do you understand what mm. I'm saying? Yeah. So when you want I, a genuine connection. So my highlights of the night were many because of that. Uh, I was able to talk with J.J. Abrams about, you know, how he decides what projects to take and how he, you know, thinks about, because I'm always, he's such a puzzle maker. Mm -hmm. You know, he loves puzzles like I do. And so we talked about that a little bit. Uh, and then I took a picture, you know, so I was able to have yeah. these conversations with these people. Uh, so J.J. Abrams, Pete Doctor, who, you know, directed a lot of the great Pixar movies, like, you know, the most yeah. recent Inside Out and Up and Monsters, Inc., I was able to talk with him and, and thank him. You know, that's the other thing, too, is just to be able to thank these people for the stories they're telling and the impact they're having uh, in whatever way that is on your life. Um, same with, like, Jeff Probst from Survivor, just to tell him, you know, man, you're doing such great work for, you know, 17 years now to put together a show that is consistently engaging and compelling when a lot of reality shows are just junk and you're actually putting quality content on the air. I, I just, you know, to be able to have those conversations was was a lot of fun. I'm glad you found the time to do that because most people just want to take a quick mm -hmm. pick. Right. And I decided not to do that this year. Good I, for you. I, and, and it, you know, Jeff Probst was so excited to talk strategy, survivor strategy. We just got right? going about, you know, like final tribal council. Like, why does nobody at final tribal council say, look, the reason you should vote for me to win is because I put you there. You know, like if you're thinking it's my fault that you're there, that's a reason I should win. But nobody ever says that. And he totally agreed. He was like, yeah, I don't get it. I don't understand why everybody's so apologetic when they get there. And it must be human nature. So, to, you know, to, to have those conversations mm -hmm. was was an absolute blast. So I really enjoyed it. You also went to see Star Wars again. But this time you sat in the theater, uh, like a laser theater. Yeah. What was that like? Lo, have what you ever that? Have you ever been to uh, Grauman's? Or I guess now it's TCL or whatever. I haven't. Okay, I've so just lived here for a little over a year and I haven't had the chance to yet do it uh, okay. especially before Star Wars is gone because uh, and the tickets are expensive they're like 20, 20 bucks yeah. yeah 20 bucks a ticket okay um, but it is one of either four or five IMAX laser projectors in the world there's only like f like a handful of them and the difference it makes is because the projectors are lasers and not uh, light projection, there's no washout on the screen. I don't want to get too nitty gritty into the details of why that is or how that works. But basically it allows the blacks to be true blacks because usually when black is projected on a screen through light, it's washed out a little bit. Uh, and so the colors are just vivid and pop in the, you know, the, the resolution is extreme and they calibrate them so efficiently and perfectly and often that it's the same experience every, uh, every time. So uh, it was mind-blowing. Plus, it's pretty sweet that you saw Star Wars with lasers. <laughs> I right. mean, what better movie to you know, like break you into the world of laser view? And I'm just thinking, like I'm thinking as I'm sitting there, how many of the celebrities of the last 70 years have been in that theater for premieres? You know, Alfred oh. Hitchcock was probably in there. Marilyn Monroe. Did you, you know, get Jane down on your Stewart. hands and knees and like smell the seat? <laughs> that's, that's disgusting. That's really gross, Danae. <laughs> you know what it smells like? Alfred Hitchcock's butt. <laughs> I feel so close to him right now. <laughs> uh, talk about psycho. Uh, so, yeah, so it was it was a fabulous experience. And and in both cases, I uh, had a wonderful time. But the difference with the Star Wars thing is anybody can do that. You know, just pay for your ticket. And yeah. it was also reserved seating, which I've never done before. I know a lot of theaters oh. have that now. 
but I bought Ooh, my I tickets. Uh, I bought my tickets a week in advance, and it was already half full. Whoa. So I know it's it's one of those things where people are still going to see Star Wars there because of that, you know, projection. Is it like when you fly and you get to choose your seat? Do you get to choose it, or is it assigned to you? You get to choose it. Okay, so you as a tall guy, you're like, okay, which one has the most leg room? <laughs> yeah, uh, leg room usually isn't an issue at an IMAX, but uh, but yes, there's. For me, it's, you know, you want to be as close to the center as possible, get the best audio experience, that kind of stuff. But Well, thanks but yeah. for the update. Is there anything else that was highlighted from oh, your trip to so California? I, don't, I could spend, the, I mean, we're already, you know, 15 minutes into this episode, and I feel like I've talked too much, but it was, but it was a lot of fun. this is the place to do it. This is our pop culture podcast. No, I know. Yeah. I know. Don't feel bad. Uh, Sue, he- Sue Heck from the middle, as sweet as you would think she would be. That's the other thing I would say. I got to meet... Mm-hmm. Uh, the cast from the middle and they were absolutely awesome so yeah i also mispronounce somebody's name i do that every year as well that's always embarrassing oh, this yeah. time this time it was uh rami malik from mr robot okay the, the main guy from mr robot with the big eyes uh i called him Rami. oh i was like ah i knew that too you know <laughs> it's not even like it was you know uh what's her name shirsi ronan from brooklyn whose name looks nothing like it's pronounced you know i can't imagine meeting him in person because when i saw mr robot if you go back and you listen, we actually uh-huh. covered it on the podcast. Totally distracted by his eyes. He just has very big <laughs> eyes. Yeah. <laughs> so meeting him in person, I'd just be like, hello, eyes. <laughs> <laughs> he was sitting right there with uh, uh, Christian Slater, you know, the other person in Mr. Robot. And it was just, it's kind of surreal in that way. But did you ever, did you watch Mr. L- uh, Robot, Low? I didn't. Oh, you should. It okay. was, it was I'll the best television viewing experience of last year for me. Uh, it's it's intense. Wow! It's it's What's really. What's it about? I haven't even heard of it. So, Mr. Robot uh, was on USA Network, and it's, I think it's about a ten episode season, and it's about hacking in a way that is as real and authentic as I've ever seen hacking portrayed in any type of pop culture medium. It basically follows. So this... it's not a flying camera like in Jurassic Park, right? <laughs> right. Okay. Good. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> it's really. It's very real and nitty gritty, and it deals. It's a. It's kind of dark. It goes into some dark, real places. There's, you know, drug abuse, and there's all kinds of things like that. And it's. Um. It was actually more serious for you. I said well, that's one of the things we talked about on the show. Is it was like a little shocking. Like, oh, yeah, this is on. You know. USA. Yeah, it's like somehow they got a rated R movie on television. Yeah, like so um, it's wow. serious, but it's 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 smart. And oh, it's that's the other thing. It's very mind bendy. Yeah, too. There's the, there's a lot of uh, of that kind of stuff in it that I love as well. All and right, it, and it won an award, didn't it? Didn't, didn't it, it won best, drama. won best it, drama? Yeah, both at the Golden Globes and at Critics Choice, it won best yeah. drama on TV. So good job, as well it should. Robot. All right, today's movie, we're going to chat a little bit about Fifth Wave. Here's a little clip before we get into it. Here's how you kill off a species. First, you take out the easy ones, the weak, the exposed. Kill them as efficiently as possible. That was the first three waves. But even if you bug bomb the house, there's always a few cockroaches left. Now we are like those cockroaches. And the others picking us off, one by one. And because the others look like us, we can't trust anyone. Can't trust anyone, Danae. 
I was like, you this can't music is very... trust anyone. I recognized that voice. <laughs> and at first I thought it was the girl from uh, the Divergent series. Is it might it as well have been. Uh, it's Chloe Grace Moretz. But she and, and Chloe, my first introduction to her was as the little crazed murderer with Batman, <laughs> Nicolas Cage dad. What was that movie? You're talking about... Um, what was that movie? No, I know. I know exactly. Uh, Kick-Ass. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That was my first time introduced to her. Uh, she's all she grown up girl. now. Yeah, Hit Girl. That's her name. Yes, she is all She's all grown up now. And she's actually doing good work. We'll get into more about that. Just to give you kind of a breakdown of the movie itself. The fifth wave follows the Earth as it's being invaded by aliens. Um, and... We won't get into a lot of spoils, uh, spoilers of the plot. Uh, we do a separate spoiler section that if you subscribe to the podcast uh, will be in your podcast feed where we'll go a little more in depth. But basically, Chloe Grace Moretz plays this teenage girl in this world. Of course, it's a teenage girl because all our heroes are these days. <laughs> and uh, and she is uh, in this world with her family, trying to keep her family together and also trying to discover what exactly is happening with this alien invasion and the fifth wave uh refers to that there are waves of the invasion in case you were curious about that so right off the bat uh let's go around and oh i should mention danae did not see the movie so danae will be participating uh, as a curious onlooker today uh and uh, so that leaves me and you low and let's just say did you like it did you love it uh did you hate it or did you was it just okay or did you dislike it i think it was just okay for me okay i uh I read the book about a year and a half ago before I knew it was being turned into a movie. So, of course, going into anything that you've read the source material on can be a little bit hard to to separate it from. But the book, I thought, was just okay. And I think the movie was a little bit less than the book. I think they left out some stuff that I think would have worked better than the stuff that they left in. So, I thought it was okay. I'm sure some people will really love it, but... I'm going to go with, yeah, I'm going to, I'm at the same place you are probably for different reasons. I would land Mm -hmm. in that it was okay. Um, I might have liked it if it had kept up the energy and the creativity of the first part of the movie. I felt like this movie started really strong um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, and there was a chance there, but it just kind of buried itself into all the typical young adult novel adaptation cliches. And that's not necessarily the fault of the movie. If they're following the plot of the book, you know, in my mind, that's a fault of a lack of creativity when it comes to writing the book in the first place, which is why do all these things have to be, you know, exactly the same. So, yeah, that's kind of where I landed (laughs) on it. Um, Danae, as always, feel free to pop in with any questions you have about, you know, what you might want to know about the movie or anything like that. But I did want to go with the positives first. Lo, what did you like about this? What were some of the things in the fifth wave that stood out to you as positives? Well, they definitely did a good job of doing all the history of what had happened sort of before the movie starts, um, all the background of the first four waves. Um, I think you were, that was kind of what you meant when you were talking about the first part of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it had good energy. It was really delving into everything that this girl, Cassie, has been through. Um, I thought that visually it was uh, nothing to write home about, but, you know, it looked nice. I wasn't distracted most of the time by any bad special <laughs> effects we can get into that there um, were a few there were a couple there but a i think that there were less than there could have been for a movie sure. coming out in january well and especially for a movie that that is epic in scope 
It's, yeah. it, I was actually impressed by that. And I'll mention this. I was impressed that they didn't leave that stuff on the cutting room floor. Mm-hmm. That, that they decided to try to show how big that stuff was on whatever kind of budget they were working with. Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't want to like, I didn't hate it, but I feel like I can't say anything else that was necessarily like a positive. The acting was okay. Well, let's, um, let's and I talk think about that, that has more to do with the script than, than necessarily the acting. I, I really like Chloe Grace Moretz. I think Me she too. I think she does great work, and I think she does really good work here. Um, uh, I think, especially again in the first part of the movie, you really get a feel for her, her character and who she is, um, and uh, and I enjoyed that. I also think oh his name just slipped my mind the Colonel in the movie um, uh, Schreiber Liev Schreiber yeah I thought he was great. I mean he does fine work. Now there's not a lot to it. It's a very military kind of role. But at the same time, you know, he offers that gravitas and that presence uh, that I'm mm-hmm. sure will come into play more in the inevitable sequels uh, that I'm sure are to follow no matter how it does. So this is a sci-fi film? Yes. Yes. Marketed yeah. to tweens? Yeah. It is. Yeah. It's the alien invasion version of Twilight, Hunger Games, Divergent, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I'm pick- Runner. picking up from the... Uh, the trailer that you don't know who you can trust, so the aliens could potentially look like people. Right. I see. Yes. I see. I don't think that's too big of a spoiler, but yeah. Considering that it was in the trailer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So there is this element of you know who is a who's an alien, who isn't. Um, I mentioned that in our intro to the show today. You know, like you just that's kind of one of the key elements of the movie. Do you think that like a movie like this and kind of getting the the feeling from you guys that i mean it's just like an okay movie it's nothing like a breakout movie for chloe do you think like this is the kind of thing to slow her career down or you think she'll just bounce back and get another oh i think she'll be fine yeah honestly i feel like people just won't remember it i feel like it's a very forgettable movie and nobody's gonna be like "Ooh, chloe really messed up on this one it's just nobody's gonna remember it in six months or or if you know when the inevitable sequel happens yeah (laughs) they knock it out of the park it could be a boon for her career you know like if if the if they're just starting slow on the series and and then people like the you know the material and then the second one has a little more budget behind it a little you know maybe a director who you know can uh, play with some fresh ideas a little bit more then you never know maybe maybe it can go somewhere but uh, it didn't you know I don't think it I don't think there's any way it hurts her career so this movie yeah. leaves off with the intention of also oh, having another oh yeah movie. yeah and it's very cliffhanger and, it, and it's one of my least favorite things about movies these days too is like. I, there's a way to do it. I actually thought the new Star Wars did it well, where you can tell a complete story, but there's so much more you want to know. Right. Right? That's okay. Like you're as still long satisfied, as you're telling, yes, as but long you as, could eat more. Yeah, as long as you're telling me a complete story. And this just felt like a complete chapter, but not a complete story, if that makes any sense. So it was like, uh, but it happens a lot. And you see it especially with middle movies, you know, um, the mm-hmm. And especially with these two-part movies, the first parts of two-parters, like the Hunger Games, Mockingjay Part 1, was mm. awful with this. Like, it just was not a movie. It didn't move at all. No. Yeah. yeah it didn't go anywhere. Um, this one at least goes somewhere, but it's, you know, it's not satisfying in that way. I didn't find it. What did you think, Lo? Uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with that. It it follows exactly what happens in the book at the end, so I wasn't surprised by it. I knew that was how it was going to end, but yeah, it's a very... Uh, just kind of all the characters are doing their own thing now and you got to sort of get them back together. So it'll be interesting 
to see how they do that. And the second, the second book is much better than the first, I thought. So if they do get a sequel, I think that it will heighten it a little bit in that sense. Well, I hope so, because I was really impressed with the first Maze Runner and hated the second one. Oh, I read those books, too. And the first book was awesome. And then the second book I did not like. And same with the movies. So so maybe that's good. Maybe that's good hope then for this. Yeah. Is that the first movie or that the second book is actually better than the first book. So hopefully the second movie will be better. I, I'm not like dying to go back into this world, you know, which I think is a negative of the film. It, it didn't like draw me in in a way that I'm super excited to see what happens next. But at the same time, you know, I I would be curious to know kind of the overarching sci-fi elements of the plot. You know, what's, you know, what's going to happen? Who are the others and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I, there is something to know. It's just I'm not extremely dedicated to finding it out. Well, and I think part of that is that they didn't really give us a lot of time with um, the larger group of characters. There's kind of two groups of characters that you're following in this. And one of them is only two people and the other one is a larger group of children. And they spend a lot of time with them in the book that they didn't really spend in the movie, um, kind of fleshing out their characters. They all have like nicknames and there's reasons behind them. And they were sort of saying the nicknames in the movie without explaining them. So it was just random Nicknames. Which I caught kind of that. Strange. I was going to ask you about that. I was I was going <laughs> to yeah. mention that the nicknames. So I, I assumed they were in the book. Uh, yeah. Well, in in the book, they spend a lot more time sort of erasing these children's identities and turning them into soldiers, and it's a little bit more uh, scary in the book because you're seeing these young children really get uh, like forgetting who they are and being turned into these soldiers. I mean. Uh, kind of what happens to adults when they become, you know, in the military and stuff that, you know, you kind of lose your individualism because you kind of need to in order to follow orders and things like that. But to see it happen with children is, I mean, you know, it's the same thing that happens with the Hunger Games. It's supposed to be shocking, but they didn't really spend a lot of time on that in the movie. I think right. in favor of the romance, which I think sort of slowed the movie down a little bit too much. And also everything that was in that first section of the movie that was explaining the background was peppered throughout the book. And I think if they had made the decision to keep that as flashbacks throughout the movie, it might have kept the pace up a little bit more. Oh, it could be. You mentioned a couple of things that bring me to my first major negative, and we'll go ahead and get to them because I think we'll, yeah, have, go for it. we'll have more of those than the positives. Uh, <laughs> it's just the same as every other, you know, adaptation of of a uh, you know a young adult novel. It just the, mm-hmm. the why, like, dear writers of young adult novels, can you try to maybe do one without a love triangle? I know it yeah. works. I get it. But it's so the same now that you just know it's going to happen and you expect it and you're just looking for and it's always two guys fighting over the same girl, yep. you know, and, it, and it's just like we've seen it so many times, you know, that it just it gets a little annoying. I like anybody how- who listens to Primetime Crisis Live, which is another show that I'm on, knows that I hate love triangles. They're like my least favorite thing on the planet. And ugh. <laughs> so I agree with you. I thought that they did, a, well, the the writer of The Hunger Games did a pretty good job of writing the whole love triangle thing. Because in in that case, you know, Katniss is just so confused about herself that she's just not trying to make decisions about boys. And I really, I thought that that was a little bit refreshing. Mm-hmm. But I, I see, I know that it's in everything. It's in what, I don't know if it was in Divergent or not. Now that I think of it, these are just the ones I've seen in recent history. Yeah, yeah. You know, but it is something that kind of happens when you're a youth, right? Where you're interested in this person, but you're too young to really understand the full length of commitment. And this one's also intriguing over here. No, but I there's get... a new way to talk about it. And there's a new That's way right. to bring light into that. It doesn't have to, 
be everyone hating each other and it doesn't have to be you know who's the strongest who's the smartest i don't know what was kind of portrayed in this movie but i i definitely am hearing you guys talk about it and i when a when the developers of a film choose to pull out a love story as the the main kind of pulse of a movie you know, rather than maybe some a different angle, mm-hmm. I I would hate it. <laughs> I would and hate it's all, it so much. And, and it's all the the you know the foggy eyed stares and the you know it's just it's so Ech. buried in that. What what I'm guessing market research has shown you know that the tweens want to see you know the scene where you know he's skinny dipping in the lake and you know she doesn't <laughs> you know he well, doesn't know she's watching him and it's she's all nervous all about again, her right? you know budding sensuality and she doesn't understand well, these feelings that she's having and you know it's just like okay we get it we've seen it a million times you know or i think it all harkens back to that uh teen jacob teen that's Edward. exactly what i was going to say no, I yeah no that's what i'm saying yeah that started it and they were like ooh kids are going to consume stuff if we show them a side to pick and they can be like, yes, I am a Hufflepuff. Yes, I am <laughs> Team Jacob. Yes, I am Divergent or right. Dauntless or whatever their different things are. Yeah. Um, they like having that side to pick. Yeah. Uh, and and it, again, human nature wise, it makes sense from somebody who watches a lot of movies and sees a lot of stories yeah. told, you get tired of it. And yeah. eventually, and maybe it's just because I do watch so many movies, I'm tired of it first. Uh, we also work in radio and they'll tell you, uh, you know, radio stations, they play the same songs over and over and over again for a reason, because most people only listen every once in a while and they want to hear their favorite song. But if you work at a radio station, you hear those songs all <laughs> the time. So you get sick of them months before the general public does. And I think it's probably the same way with me and movies. There are things I'm going to get sick of, but eventually the general public is going to go, please, something new. Right. You know, they're eventually going to want to move on to something creative. I think I'm OK with love triangles. And I'm okay with, you know, love stuff as long as there's some depth to it. If it's if they're trying to really help because what what bothers me is the influence of the younger generation where it's just like, oh, if it's not all sparkly and love feels, then it's not real. Like why don't start start showing the true the true part of of love, the depth of love, you know, and and if you're going to make a love movie and you're you're going to like try to influence the, the teen generation, you know, it's not just about like. Do I go with this one or do I go with that one? You know, that's not what it's about. And that's what that's what makes me, you know, frustrated is that I don't know, it just seems like it's not doing a service to society. It's just making young kids dumber. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think Hunger Games did an okay job with that because like you said it was more about Katniss kind of coming into her own and that was sort of something that was happening in the background but she had more important things to deal with. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in this, it's a little bit more. Katniss was in a very annoying character to read because she's oh, yeah. just this flippant <laughs> teenager. But that's what it's like. You know, she was she was just like moody and didn't know what she wanted. But I was glad and she wasn't leading anybody on. Mm-hmm. She was just trying to figure her own life out. And I really I really enjoyed that as much as she annoyed me. I enjoyed that she was annoying me for those reasons. <laughs> Uh, the other thing, one of the other things I didn't like is how predictable a lot of the, the plot twists were. And that's not always the case. Uh, sometimes you just see things coming that maybe other people don't or whatever. But I, I not only saw the major plot twist coming, I knew the exact line they were going to say when it happened. Oh. And I won't give that away till the spoiler episode. But it's like you see, you not only do you know where the plot is going, you know the scene that's going to happen. That's and, annoying. 
And it, it does get annoying because then it's like, then you're bored getting there. It's like you know? paint by numbers or something. <laughs> yeah, it feels that way. Did you have the same experience? Of course, you read the book, so you knew yeah. where the plot was going. I, I mean, it's it's always hard to to think about what it would feel like to be watching something without knowing what's going to happen. I, I think they did it just about as much as the book did as far as, uh, I think they were a little more clever in the book about certain things like, you didn't know necessarily that one of the characters was her little brother until about a third of the way through the book. Oh, that's um, interesting because that's yeah. right off the bat in the movie. That's uh -huh. yeah. Um, because like I said, a lot of the stuff in the beginning, you aren't learning until later on in the book with everything that happened with the first four waves. So all the stuff with them at that camp that was very early on is, you know, a couple chapters in and you are meeting her little brother before you necessarily know that it's him. And maybe I'm just dense and didn't pick up on it when I was reading, but I remember having a moment being like, whoa, this is Sam. I did not see that coming, but. Uh, yeah, that's cool. Anything yeah. else you wanted to mention that uh, that the movie kind of took you out you didn't like? Um, I, I gotta say I was unimpressed with Sam's actor, especially because the little girl who was playing Teacup, who was a very minor character, I think did a much better job. Yeah, kid actors are tough. There were multiple times that there were multiple times that I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I can tell that he's just saying the lines and there we go. And they like hardly ever cut to him. Yeah. I always, have, saying lines. <laughs> I always have such a hard time with kid actors, you know, especially in that, you know, like seven and under, or you know, probably even he's probably like eight or nine years old, actually. Yeah. Um, but in that range, because it's like they're kids, you know, yeah. and and they don't have like this, this depth of life experience to draw on. Right. You know, it's like. I, when I see an amazing kid actor, I wonder two things. I wonder, one, where that talent comes from, and B, I wonder, like, if they had, like, an awful early life to be able to, to draw and stuff. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, I don't know how you do that as a child, uh, you know, to see Haley Joel Osment in The Sixth Sense or something like that, where it's just right. like, where does that come from, you know? Um, but he he didn't have that. And I, I try to give a pass to kids in the acting department, but you're right. In watching a movie, it's it's distracting, and it it kind of takes you out yeah, of Yeah, and I mean, like, I don't want to, like, fault him for it, because like you said, he's young, but it still was being that he was kind of a mainish character that they did a lot more with in the book. They did almost nothing with him in the movie, and I was like, okay, guess we're just going to kind of ignore him because they couldn't get that performance out of him that they wanted or whatever. Zachary Arthur is his name, and he is nine years old. There you go. There you go. He's just a baby. <laughs> just, a, just a wee lad. Just a wee lass. All right, before we move on, uh, let's do one more thing. Uh, Danae, do you have one more thing you want to bring up? So this movie started filming in October of 2014. Okay. And then that next January, so just a few months into uh, the filming, they had a planned explosion of a bus in downtown mm -hmm. Macon, Georgia, and it went awry. And um, I read this on a couple of different places, but... The uh, so the explosion went wider than it was planned and it blew out all these windows. Um, the street's called Cotton Avenue, mm -hmm. so it collapsed ceilings, destroyed storefronts, oh, no. it set a building oh on gosh. fire, and um, there's like soot on the, the buildings and all this stuff. So they've had to go back in and fix all of the problems that they made because they didn't, they had an unexpected oh, no. explosion. <laughs> so I wonder, do you guys remember that scene? It's like a bus explosion. I have I have had a few unexpected explosions in my life. It's never a pleasant experience for anyone. <laughs> wow, Aaron. <laughs> wow. I actually don't remember a bus exploding in the movie. I do. When I do. It? We'll talk about it in the spoilers. It. Okay. Well, well I, I'll remind you. It's it's a it's a fairly key scene in towards the middle, but we'll 
We'll get All into right, that more in the spoiler section. If you want to hear the spoilers, by the way, just make sure you're subscribed to Sift Pop, S-I-F-T-P-O-P. It'll show up in your podcast feed. Uh, one more thing from you, Lo, about the movie. Uh, I, I will say that as much as I disliked the uh, love triangle, the one time that I got a genuine laugh out of the few times that they tried to do comedy had to do with that love triangle uh, meeting for the first time. And there was a line that actually made me laugh out loud. Yep. I'm with you. I agree. Yeah. That was genuinely funny. And you're right. And we didn't talk about that at all. There, there, there is some attempted humor. Most of it falls pretty flat. Um, but yeah, there, that one moment I did find, uh, did find funny. Uh, for me, uh, I guess my one more thing is I would say it's just, this has been done better so many different places that, you know, if, if you're not huge into the book, I just, you know, rent one of the Divergent movies or, you know, the first Hunger Games or something like that and watch that again instead. It's just, it's the same thing, but it's been, been, it's been done better before. So that would be my one more thing for me. All right, Danae. Wait, I have a quick question. Sure. Lo, would you recommend the books? Uh, yeah, yeah. I think that they're, uh, you know, if, if you're somebody that likes YA, which I actually really love YA novels, um, I, uh, I don't always love their transition to screen because I think some things work better on a page when you can be inside somebody's head and know what they're thinking. But yeah, I think the book was pretty good compared to the movie, at least. <laughs> Very good. All right, today you got uh, somebody you want to thank today. We love to thank our Patreon supporters. And so today we want to make sure to thank everybody. <laughs> it's All difficult. Y'all. I, I try to pick somebody out, you know, every time we go live and every time we mm-hmm. do a podcast because we want to make sure that you know how much your support means to us. I'm going to thank myself today, actually. You're a supporter. I've never thanked myself. <laughs> I believe in what we're doing here. I love doing the show. We love to put the podcasts out. You should do it as a conversation with yourself since Danae, you're here. Thank you so much for your support of the show. Guys, thank you. I would. I wish I could give more. Well, could you? <laughs> Actually, I probably could. Well, maybe you should. <laughs> well, maybe. I mean, I will. It's really difficult. You know what? I think you should just get your wallet. Go to Patreon. <laughs> This How was that? A, this this that escalated good? quickly. Now you're in my Just mind. Know, if we come to thank you, like if, if if we come to talk to you and thank you, we're, we're not going to pressure you <laughs> no. to give more. That's only something we do to ourselves. Uh, it is really easy to support our show at patreon.com slash Aaron and Danae. You can give any amount. This is a monthly gift. It's kind of like Kickstarter, but it's every month. So for anyone who's kind of putting together, you know, a project, whether it's like comic strips or podcasts, there's a lot of really amazing artists at patreon.com. So find our page. You can see what we're about, what we're up to. You can see our goals, things we've already met, and then goals in the future, and help us get there one buck a month at a time. If you can do $3 a month, then that means that every time we do a show, you actually have access to it a whole day before it goes into our podcast feed. And there's other sweet perks for our Patreon supporters. Again, that's at patreon.com slash Aaron and Danae. Thank you so much for your support. means the world to us. Uh, Lo, I saw in the uh, chat uh, for the live show that you answered somebody's question about were there helicopters. Uh, <laughs> that is that is an inside joke here on Sift Pop. 
uh, ah. because at one point... Oh, no. Here we go. <laughs> we played this in the Best Of episode that came out at the end of the year. But, yeah. Oh, that's a great episode to get started on all the things we do. Um, so, Danae, we're talking about not saying spoilers, and she said, well, this is a spoiler but there's a helicopter in the movie. And so now people tease her that somehow helicopters are a spoiler in the film. So yes, spoiler alert, there actually are several helicopters in the fifth wave. So uh, yeah, want to make sure that you know that. All right, let's move on to a game called Prune. I'm excited because this is the first time we're reviewing a game in our show proper. I usually bring up uh, games in the uh, Buried Treasure, which we're going to do here in just a bit. But this is the first time that we've uh, done a game review for Sif Pop proper. So this is uh, available in app stores. It's called Prune, P-R-U-N-E. It has a tree and a red sun as the icon and it's three ninety nine to download, which if you would like to be able to get money put into your Google Play account just by answering questions, we highly recommend doing the Google Rewards Play app. You just answer uh, questions, the survey questions that come in from Google, and they give you money for it. The money expires after a year. You have to spend it in the Play Store. So I've made like almost $24 at this point in time, so I could just easily get the game and it didn't cost me anything. Yeah, it's so. a nice one-two combo, right? To yeah. be able to just answer a few survey questions and then have money to play these games that you may hear about on the podcast. Uh, this one's called Prune, and it is ex- exactly what you might think. It's a pruning game. There's a tree that grows, and you have to prune it so that it can grow its flowers in the sun. And that is a simple <laughs> concept. Uh, I would I would start by saying it's beautifully executed. The art style is beautiful. The sound is beautiful. Um, and it's, you know... As simple as it is, it's kind of a, an interesting play. What did you think, Danae? It looks like you have something to say. Well, you're like, oh, it's simple. You grow a tree and stuff will yeah. flower on it in the sunshine. Yeah. I spent almost 10 minutes. <laughs> on, and I'm not kidding you. I recorded the whole thing. I did a screen record, like my first play game capture uh-huh. that I like to do for my apps. And I posted that. Um like eight and a half minutes, I think, was the the length of time of me playing the first level of this game. I you're, totally stuck on you, it. You showed me this. Lo, she's sitting there. She zoomed in on where super the flowers close, are, yeah. to, super close, mm-hmm. and she's cutting tiny little branches to make flowers go on other branches. She has no clue that she's already beaten the level. Nope. She has no <laughs> clue that there's a, a little you know continue button down at the bottom. So she's <laughs> she's the, just trying to figure out what am I supposed to be doing here. There's very little instruction, like. You have completed this level. Congratulations. It's just like there's like a little thing appeared on your on my mm-hmm. screen, but I didn't see it. So I had no idea that I could go to the next level. And I seriously spent like all that time just trying to figure so out funny. what is the stinking point of this game. So during that whole process, I discover that so this you you like you grow a tree out of the base and it starts to kind of grow up and then you're trying to prune it so that it arcs in different directions, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> And then at one point in time, I accidentally just chopped the trunk off and the whole tree just disappears. And I was like, no. (laughs) So I thought I'd done something wrong. But so you use your finger to chop branches and those Mm -hmm. kind of things and try to direct it. And then there are a certain number of stars that show up in each level at the top. And you have to allow enough flowers to bloom that all those stars have a corresponding flower. And just figured that out. I'm in chapter three, about halfway through. <laughs> just realized that that was. The I case. did not realize that, and I'm in chapter four right now. Are you really? Oh my yeah. goodness! I'm so excited to hear about what's next because chapter one 
is, you know, basically kind of getting used to the gameplay mm-hmm. of this game. You know, like you said, swiping well, but your each finger. Each chapter adds new gameplay that you have to get used to, too, yeah. which I like. Chapter two, you're introduced to the red sun, where if your tree touches it, that there's ramifications for that. And some wind is also introduced. So now mm-hmm. you're like growing your tree in a different direction. Chapter three, I really enjoy. That's where I'm at right now, is where it's like bonsai type mm-hmm. yeah it grows trunk. differently like it grows and there's different. a magnetic kind of sun to it or something yeah and you have to kind of grow it in between different you know circles you know if you hit a black circle then it kind of kills your tree if you hit a red one then it infects your tree so it's all very peaceful and zen like if you if you think about it and as pruning should be apparently it's peaceful zen like thing what did you guys think though did you like it low what did you think I really like it. Um, I love games like this that are like uh, almost as much about the gameplay as they are about the art. Um, it's just a gorgeous game. Really, really fun. One of my favorite games of all time is Limbo, and it really reminds me of that um, with the kind of silhouette style. But yeah, it's a simple game, but it, I mean, I've spent probably a good two hours <laughs> playing it so far, and I it's really fun. It's kind of rage inducing at a few moments, but <laughs> Well tell me about that. What was the what was the rage? At the end of chapter three, which I guess you guys haven't gotten to yet, there is a certain level that took me I, I think it took me about fifteen minutes just over and over. I was like tweeting about it. I was so upset that I couldn't get my tree to grow exactly how I needed it, because you're growing it around one of the red suns. Ugh. <laughs> which uh... I finally got it though. Yeah. Um, I, I haven't had that trouble yet, but I'm only in the first parts of three, I think world three. Uh, I think I'm, I'm the least advanced of all of you, which is great since I've had it the longest. So that makes me feel really good. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, for me, the experience was really nice. I love a game. You can just pick up and play. You get it. There's not a lot of, you know, complexity to having to push certain buttons or certain combinations. Like you just... Oh, I drag the candies till there's three of them and they disappear. Like, I like that kind of stuff, you know? You do have um, to think a little bit about timing, though, especially with some of the things like later on and where you're having to, as your tree is propelling itself and growing up. Sure. You have to kind of like manage its pruning as it's growing so it's not hitting things. And so right. that does require a little bit of speed. Yeah, I don't mind it requiring skill as long as the understanding is, right. you know, is easy and the control scheme is easy. And I thought this really was. My main concern, and you guys are relieving a, a little bit of that by saying you're in Chapter 4 low, is that it, that it wasn't enough for the price. Four bucks is a pretty expensive game app, mm-hmm. um, and it. I was thinking it may only be three chapters, but I'm glad there's a fourth as well. Maybe there's more even beyond that, uh, but I was wondering about the value. This game reminds me of Monument Valley. Lo, have you played that one? No. Oh, highly recommend that one. That is so worth the money. Um Yes, Monument Valley is is a good value. That is a fantastic game. It's a puzzle game, and it has really beautiful art, really beautiful sound, really beautiful music. It's a really great environment. The story is simple. You're not having to do like a lot of gameplay. Like you find yourself in the woods. You know, it's, not, it's nothing <laughs> like that. There's a little bit of story play. You know, where you're learning about the, the character. This one, right when I first opened it up, when I opened up Prune for the first time, it had a lot of the similar ambient sound right where it's just yeah, like yeah, it yeah. felt like monument valley again and so i was really curious how it was going to develop um and it, it it is very artistic like uh, like you said lo it's very uh simple like you know simple colors and simple shapes and yet there's a complexity to the tree itself 
So as I continue to play this game, I'm like, I'm frustrated when I don't, you know, get it. Obviously, like I said, I had a really interesting start to this game where I didn't even know how to like advance to the next screen. <laughs> and so there's not a lot of explanation, though. No. It's just kind of an intuitive you learn by playing, in that way it which all, I love. And that way, I think, is one of the things that, that makes it feel like life in some ways. It almost feels like a game metaphor, you know, where the, the game is about growth and perseverance. And, you know, and maybe I'm just reading that into it. But I felt like this there was some depth there because of the way it portrayed itself, you know, that you could you could think about those deeper themes of sacrifice and growth and all those Dude, kind of I'm totally with you. I don't know if any of you had this experience. I feel like a little guilt chopping off an entire branch of a tree <laughs> that has beautiful flowers blooming on it and it's uh -huh. a gorgeous tree and it's just like okay but in order for me to advance i gotta lob this entire half of the tree off yeah that that was painful i've i'm like feeling guilty there's a couple of ones i'm like i'm so sorry tree <laughs> isn't that like life though you know, yeah. like you, you have to lop off beautiful things sometimes so that, you know, purpose is fulfilled or, or whatever. And I think that's, you know, there's some interesting depth there. There really is. Um, In chat, we already had somebody that decided to download it right now, starting to play the game. Um, And I'm glad that you did this because what's mentioned is accidentally lopping off needed branches because you're trying to zoom. That is one of my complaints about the game. Mine too. Is that if you are trying to like maneuver on the screen somewhere, you have to use two fingers or it's seen as a chop and you can mm -hmm. accidentally, you know, ruin your work. Yeah, I found, yeah, I found looking around difficult. Like yeah. Zooming and looking around was a difficult part of the gameplay. What about you, Lo? Yeah, I had that same issue with trying to zoom. And especially when you get to the levels where you have that black sun that is kind of directing mm -hmm. your branches as you go. There's a couple levels where you're like, okay, now I have to like move the camera and move the black sun and chop off some branches as we're trying not to hit red suns and uh, stressful. Yeah. yeah. Overall, is it a game you would recommend to others? Yeah, I think it's kind of the perfect app game. It's one of those games that you use to sort of waste time while you're waiting somewhere. And that's that's what I always look for in apps. I would agree. And I also think it's an interesting conversation starter which is the same thing I would say about Monument Valley. It's one of the games that you just slide your phone over and say, here, just play this. Yeah, try this. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a fun thing to to be able to give to somebody. And it has that zen quality to it. Um, there are levels where you do have to be really invested because the tree is growing super fast or whatever, and you have to be paying attention to it. But at the very beginning of this, in the first few levels, it can just be like a super zen experience. As you know, I spent eight minutes on one level just zooming in and cutting off little little bits and pieces here and there. Um, and I also like it because it kind of taught me about, oh, if I cut a branch here, this is how it affects the tree. So I kind of learned something about the, the pruning of, of real you, life. You do realize it doesn't happen that quickly in real life, yes. right? Okay. I just wanted to make sure we're, <laughs> that all, I knew. we're all on the same page. <laughs> like Danae's going out into her front yard and cutting a branch and, you know, why aren't you growing? Grow tree. <laughs> Grow taller. Uh, I agree. I loved it. I thought it was, I think it's a, a great app and, uh, despite little bit of control issues with you know moving around the screen um i didn't have any real frustration with it and uh found it to be a fun time so that might be one you want to look at getting all right we've come to the part of the show that is the buried treasure this is the one thing in pop culture any part of pop culture that you want to make sure people know about and that they might have missed lo why don't you start us off all right. So I was kind of mentioning before we started recording that uh, I think this might be a first for you guys. I'm not sure. 
Um, it's a uh, Broadway musical soundtrack. I bet you're um, going to talk about Hamilton. I am. <laughs> I am going to talk about Hamilton. It is fantastic. I know it came out a couple months ago, but I just discovered it about uh, three or four days ago, and I have listened to almost nothing else in those three or four days. My gosh, it is so good. Yeah. Um, if those of you that don't know um, or haven't heard of it, it is a new Broadway show um, by Lin-Manuel Miranda, who also did In the Heights. And he's also writing the music for Moana, the Disney movie that's coming out later this Ooh. year. Very cool. Um, it is about one of the founding fathers, the guy on the t- uh, $10 bill, Alexander Hamilton, um, which sounds like it would be a very dry show. It is entirely, or at least for the most part, hip hop and rap music which is just fantastic mm-hmm. and so quick-witted. And it's it reminds me a lot of Les Miserables for anybody that's into Broadway musicals at all. Um, it's almost operatic in that there's very little talking. Exactly. So almost the entire show is on the album. You can definitely follow the entire plot of what's going on um, from song to song. There's, gosh, I think almost over 40 songs on this album. And it's so good, funny and serious and... I cried the first time I listened to it during the last few songs. It's very good. And uh, I guess sort of spoilers, but this is also history. So if you know anything about Alexander Hamilton, he famously died in a duel with another politician by the name of Aaron Burr. And that it sort of follows their um, their trials and tribulations as kind of being friends and colleagues and then growing apart and what ultimately leads to Alexander Hamilton's death. Uh, I'm so glad you you brought it up. We did talk about it. On, we do another podcast called New Music Digest where we talk ah. about all the new albums that that come out for the week. We actually listen to them while we're talking about them for the first time. And uh, we start with what we call an appetizer, which is something that's maybe a little bit different out of the mainstream. And that was our appetizer the week it came out. And uh, Oh, cool. And I, I fell in love with it as well. I think it's brilliantly written. Uh, I think the key point you bring up that I would echo is that it is an opera, that it's it's like Les Miserables, there's not speaking, it's all singing. And just the juxtaposition of what you generally think of this stodgy, you know, historical white world uh, to be played by African-American, uh, you know, actors and actresses and done in, you know, what are generally considered, you know, black styles of music uh, is just beautiful. And I think there's there's just some real depth there. And from what I hear... Going to the Broadway play is like a religious experience. Like people are yeah. coming out of it saying that Broadway can shut down now because they found the perfect play. Whoa. Like, it's just like, I, I mean, I, I haven't seen it, so I can't say. But that the word coming out of people, it is the, easily the hardest ticket in New York right now. Uh, and that's, you know, it's really interesting. But yeah, the soundtrack's available. I know I listen to it on Spotify and I'm sure you can find it in other places as well. So great choice. Danae? I love to review games. This mm-hmm. is my outlet. And even though we already did a game, um, my husband has a, uh, he has Apple products and there is a game that he had on his uh, device called, uh, I think it was called Dots or Two Dots. That device is called an iPhone. Well, okay. Or iPad. <laughs> or, or an iPad. That's true. And it wasn't available for Android. I don't know when it became available for Android, but I just discovered it uh, the other day and I'm super excited about it. Uh, this is. What's it called again? Two Dots. Two Dots? Two Dots. Okay. So you enter into this, you know, game and they do an entire walkthrough for you. So you can kind of get introduced to the game. But basically you have a board in front of you with all these dots on it in various colors. 
and by connecting them together, they disappear off your board and then you, you know, so maybe the goal for that level is to get rid of, you know, 20 red ones, 20 blue ones and 20 yellow ones or whatever. And then there's different ways you can get rid of them. You know, if you make a square, it gets rid of all of them on the screen, various things like that. Um, or maybe you're supposed to get the anchors down to the very bottom. So there's just like different things that okay. you can do as the levels go on. Yeah, yeah. But it's super clean. Um, the interface is great. I love the music that plays in the background, which I know sometimes can get super annoying. <laughs> but uh, the environment that you're kind of put into and the way that they uh, have designed the game is really attractive to me. It's um, and it's got different kind of you know things that they do every day if you want to play it, things like that. But anyhow, I would recommend it. It is free, so those oh, are all, good. those are always fun because you don't have to put Two any dots. money out. Two, Two dots. dots. I'll have to look for that now that I'm uh, now that I'm done with Clash of Clans. I've had enough. Have you decided I've, to I've end your Clash, of, of, Clash Clans of Clans for real? That, is, that game is nonsense now. <laughs> <laughs> well, after that last update, it was awful. I'm yeah. with you on that one. They broke the game. Yeah. Uh, also, my adventure capitalist uh, gameplay is is diminishing because I, you know, I've made so much money on that game that, you know, I'm I'm a. Is you're bored with Novem Vigatillionaire, whatever that is. No, Novem Vigatillionaire. Something like that. I have wow. no idea. Yeah, okay. it's crazy. Uh, so two dots sounds like uh, my next addiction. Um, that I won't be able to put down. Sounds like a lot of fun. It is fun. For my buried treasure, I'm going to go with something everybody has probably heard of, but not a lot of people are still into, but I want to encourage you to check it out again. It is the final season of American Idol. And I uh, love this judging panel so much. It is possibly my favorite judging panel ever to be assembled on reality television. Harry Connick Jr. is brilliant. Uh, and Jennifer Lopez and Keith Urban are both very... Uh, smart with what they say, and also they're funny together, and they care about these people, too. Um, it was one of the things with Simon Cowell. I never minded that he told people when they couldn't sing. That right. was never a problem with me. I think that's important, actually, uh, that people hear an honest voice to tell them that. My problem was that he didn't seem to care about them as people when he did it. And so there's a difference between that and, for instance, Harry Connick Jr., uh, you know, saying to someone, here's where you need to improve. Right. And and you can just, you can feel the love. Plus, the show is doing a lot less of emphasizing those horrible auditions. They kind of keep them in the pre-judge staging, uh, and they'll just show a few bits and pieces here and there. But the show is so much more about the actual talent now uh, that I really enjoy that. And it's the final season, and I just think it, it's a fun thing to pick up and, you know, watch the final time. And, um, you know, I've really enjoyed The Voice uh, and I actually enjoyed X Factor when it was on, but um, but Idol was the you know the first one to really blow up with the kind of singing talent show thing, and so kind of given its respect. Plus Ryan Seacrest, man, he's just like the consummate host. He's just so good at his job. Like I, you know, like that's who I want to be. That's who I look up to when I host stuff. I want to be I want to be Seacrest. It's on your it's on your business card. Aaron Dicer, Air, Seacrest wannabe. That's exactly right. Or then scratch out I. Aspire to be Seacrest, and then that's scratched out. Mm -hmm. Next best thing to Seacrest. <laughs> <laughs> it's very smooth. It's all very smooth, I'm sure. Smart marketing, Aaron. I did love you your guys, card. Do you guys still watch American Idol? Did you ever watch American Idol, Lo? I, the only time that I watched was when Blake Lewis got second place. I don't even remember what season it was because he went to my husband's high school. 
Ah. I think that was that might not have been the same year as Sanjaya, but Sanjaya is also somebody that my husband went to high school with. So apparently <laughs> what his high school is just turning out American Idol people. Either that or your husband's a liar. I hate to tell you, Lo. It could it could be that he's just, you know, Well, I, I knew we, we started dating when we were in high school. So I, right. I knew. All right. <laughs> well, Blake Lewis went to his high school before he went there. Got but it. Sanjaya. He actually went to school with. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> But that's my only, I never watched American Idol. Yeah, I'm kind of with Lo on this one. I mean, I remember Kelly Clarkson. Of course. And, and then and then now I realize, oh, that was a long time ago. That was a very long time ago. Um, But I, I never watched anything after that. In fact, I didn't even watch her win. It was, just, I remember hearing her voice going, wow. And then finding out that she was a waitress and, and wondering if, you know, I was going to ever be discovered because there's no way I would ever go on a reality TV show and sing. Right. I just can't bring myself to do it despite people telling me that I should have my entire life and now I'm I'm too old. So that's weird. Not for the voice. The voice have, doesn't have, have an age limit. I don't know if the voice would yeah, I just, I cannot. This is the voice. I can't see myself ever going and doing Okay, so like here's that. the interesting thing. And one of the reasons I also bring up Idol is you think about the the actual careers it launched. Like you look at the voice and yes, they have great winners and there's great singers there. But you look at Idol, like Carrie Underwood came from American Idol. Like she is the most popular, you know, country singer going. You know, you look mm -hmm. at, at people like David Cook or, um, you know, um, Chris Allen or, you know, I mean, just these guys that have these amazing, you know, singles and sales in their albums. And it's just it's really interesting that a talent show has produced actual pop superstars in that way, because I didn't think that would happen in America, at least. Of course, One Direction is from a talent show as well. Huh. The British version of The X Factor. So it's, it's, I just find that interesting. I find that fascinating. So, And apparently I'm the only one. <laughs> <laughs> At least in this room. <laughs> That's as good a place as any uh, to finish off Sif Pop for today. Thanks so much for joining us today. Sif Pop is part of the Shoe the Dough podcast network. You can find out more about other live and later shows on the network by following the feed at Mixler.com slash Shoe the Dough. That's M-I-X-L-R dot com slash shoe the dough. You can also find out more about Aaron and Danae. That's us at AaronAndDanae.com. Huge thank uh, once again to today's guru, Low. The Curious Low. You can hey, find her yeah. on Twitter at The Curious Low. Uh, would be a way to follow her. Thanks for joining us today. We had a really good time with you being on the show. Oh, my pleasure. I had a lot of fun. Yeah, good stuff. And uh, anytime you want to sing Newsy songs, you just let me know. Uh, much love and gratitude also to our Patreon supporters for giving monthly to make this show and others on the Shoe the Dough Network possible. As a patron supporter, you're welcome, Aaron. <laughs> Support starts at a buck a month and comes with some fun perks. Find out more info at patreon.com slash Aaron and Danae. Also, if you know of a podcast or have a podcast idea that you'd like to see on the network, make sure and let us know. All feedback is welcome at Aaron and Danae at gmail.com. There you go. Uh, we will catch you once again next week. I think the finest hour comes out next week, so we'll probably be reviewing that here on the podcast. And until then, Santa Fe, are you there? Wow. Do you swear you won't forget me? Wow. It's like Christian Bale's in the room with us. It's amazing. Right? Isn't that wonderful? It's amazing. It is wonderful. <laughs> Bye, guys. 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 